Welcome to Gender Forking, a Twilight Saga podcast. I am your host, Lori. I'm the other host, Sam. (laughs) You sound resigned. (laughs) Um, I'm resigned. (laughs) Today we're talking about chapters five and six, Invitations and Blood Type of Midnight Sun, a book by Stephanie Meyer. (laughs) This is a book by Stephanie Meyer. It's incredibly clear that this is a book by Stephanie Meyer. (laughs) Yeah. There's absolutely no doubt that this is a book by Stephanie Meyer. (laughs) Yeah. These were definitely my favorite chapters so far of the three sections we've read. We were just talking right before we started recording. Chapter five is the best chapter we've read so far. It's incredible. Like, I have so much to say. (laughs) So much to say. Like, especially, like, the the latter half of it, like, the back half. Mm -hmm. Like, the what edward is going through and just like everything he says oh my god it's like very well written but like very well thought out and like oh my god anyway it's so good (laughs) i just want to start off right off the bat by saying it really struck me in the beginning of this chapter edward's talking about how he's resigned himself to stay in forks and how he's just gonna avoid bella but he needs to stay in forks because it'll make esme really sad if he Mm. leaves and i just think it's really funny the parallel between edward and bella being in forks to appease their mothers and like viewing it as some sort of like really like painful or like not ideal choice they're kind of like in this like place they don't want to be or place that's like painful for them to be because they want to do what's best for their mothers which is really sweet You know, it made me just think, like, we obviously know how much their mothers matter to them because they name their demonic child after (laughs) both of them. And maybe this was uh, Stephanie's way of preparing us for that in the future. Not that you could ever prepare for such a creature (laughs) as Renesme. You're totally right. That is such an interesting observation. Edward is like, this is the chapter where he realizes that he's in love with her he's definitely been in love with her since like chapter one or two but like it is chapter five and he fully knows he's in love with her it is chapter five (laughs) yeah he says on page 88 which is like towards the very beginning of the chapter like he doesn't think that he loves her but he has this quote from the book jacket that says like the like it would be like falling effortless not loving her was the opposite of falling, pulling myself up over a cliff, hand over hand, whatever. When I read that on the book jacket, I didn't expect to run into it so quickly because Bella doesn't have these thoughts and feelings until later. But Edward is there. Yeah, he's fully there. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny that he's going on a run every day to Seattle. An yes, angst run. I would like to immediately propose vampire therapy Go off. for this. <laughs> I think <laughs> people always are like, and this is this is probably true, so don't come for me. Exercise is good for your mental health. Running is so good for me. It's like, I, I, I can't even think about my problems when I'm running and stuff like that. And it's like, as a coping mechanism, absolutely. But he is clearly running away from his problems. And I'm just like you run to seattle every day he like makes note of it because it's out of the norm for him and like yeah he would be spending his time doing other things it's not like really clear what those things are (laughs) other than like hunting and stuff like that he doesn't really mention what they do on their time 
like their downtime or what he does specifically because you know his siblings are in love and so they have other lives with each other but like he would be doing something else and i want to know what he's replacing like that idle time where he doesn't want to think about bella like what would he be doing in a in a world where he's not trying to run away from his thoughts i feel like he has like some cognitive dissonance here because later in one of these chapters i think it might be blood type is reflecting on or maybe it's just later in this chapter he's reflecting on how he's frozen in his personality and like nothing changes but then when change does come it's permanent Mm -hmm. and he's thinking about this in in relation to love and like how love is permanent for him Mm -hmm. but he doesn't accept that until like that point instead of thinking and he doesn't think like okay hypothetically you know he's in love with her at this point and he's but he's still trying to fight it he's really not accepting <laughs> that that's happening yeah and to do that he's being mean to her yeah and it makes him <laughs> feel a choice. so pained and i'm like okay edward <laughs> yeah it's absolutely a choice what he's struggling with is that he's worried about he mentions it a couple times like he feels like because he loves her, she'll either end up dead or a vampire. And he doesn't, he's not okay with either of those things. Mm-hmm. So like, he doesn't want to cause her pain. So he's trying to ignore her. And that's kind of like what the first half of this chapter is about. But then it's like, he doesn't want to cause her pain, but then he's just mean to her. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, he views that I feel like as like, well, at least it's like much less harm than would be done if I killed her or turned her into a vampire. But again, because he can't have the frank conversation with her because she doesn't know yet the nature of his existence, condition, etc., whatever he calls it, he can't ask her what her thoughts are on all this. Like, would you rather Mm -hmm. me be mean to you, fall in love with you, and potentially kill you, or turn you into a vampire? And (laughs) when they do have that conversation, it's like he doesn't respect what she wants anyway, so and like tries to plot against it for much longer than i think he's imagining now or like the book is hinting at now and i'm kind of like well maybe if you talked to her (laughs) you would would know (laughs) what would you what would you choose i feel like what i would do is i would drop extremely non-subtle hints about the the vampire thing like Mm -hmm. I think that he's taking it way too seriously, this whole, like, secrecy thing, because she's already proved herself in this chapter to be trustworthy because she knows something's up and she covers for him constantly with all the other kids at school. And I'm I'm just like, I would just start dropping hints and, and like, I would want to have that, like, more open like the ability to be more open in conversation with her totally like that chris jenner meme or no it's, yeah no it's kim kardashian oh my god yeah yeah i'm, I'm like, like dropping, dropping hints, hints that, that i'm a vampire, vampire. <laughs> <laughs> and that it's not i'm a vampire but it's like uh as if i if, as if you could outrun me yeah over. exactly <laughs> um and that i don't know i just feel like even if i wasn't doing it consciously i feel like i'm surprised he doesn't drop more hints i guess he kind of does because he's started to be a little more lax um later on in this chapter about uh revealing information that he could simply only have by reading people's minds yeah (laughs) he does (laughs) yeah and so like that's the first thing that slips and so maybe that is what he's doing subconsciously he's just not like 
actively trying to have her find out but he is like he's slipping up in in lots of ways he's like responding to conversations and like calling on conversations that she had with other people at school and i think he's realized that she can just that she will just accept it and move on and not cause like a big scene about it and so i don't know i wonder i mean he does i don't think he said at this point that like it's like vampire law or code or whatever to to not reveal the that's existence true of vampires but he's not really positing that as like a reason why he is keeping this a secret he's more thinking about it for like the secrecy of his family rather than like yeah. the secrecy of all vampires why isn't he thinking about the volturi as a threat like mm. i don't know in a world where we know what happens in the twilight saga like where the volturi does make a huge ass deal about it like I guess maybe they've just never had a run-in with them before to that extent. But I feel like they should be kind of on edge because they're friends with the Denali's and they know what happened there with the, like, immortal child and and everything. Yeah, it is super weird. They're like, like, he he doesn't even think about it. It doesn't cross his mind. Yeah, I don't know. He also doesn't really think about the werewolves. So maybe it's just, like, Stephanie thought this was going to be one novel. Yeah, might as well not open the can of worms, I guess. There was one moment here where... He actually kind of, like, took responsibility for his own actions about... Uh, I don't know what page it's on, but he says, I lumped my torments into four categories. The first two were familiar, mm-hmm. her scent and her silence, or rather to take responsibility on myself where it belonged, my thirst and my curiosity. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. exactly right, my boy. That's right. Yeah. We love reframing that. Yeah, really interesting. He's so curious. That's one of his other torments. Like, he's so curious about her and he's trying to learn everything about her through watching her interactions with other people and it's cute because the little like the little example they put in about um this girl tara in their biology class oh, i um, love this story it's such a misinterpretation of her that he doesn't even it doesn't even cross his mind i feel like it's a really great example of like edward yeah. not getting it right all the time and so i guess what happens is they have to do group work in biology and mike is like uh work with me bella and bella's like cool but i uh definitely need tara galvez to also work with us who edward describes as like a stoner and um who like is, or mike does or mike mike yeah which is so um, funny she's failing biology and bella's like don't worry about it i'll just take whatever whatever like work she doesn't do and mike is like why the fuck did you do that essentially edward arrives at this like solution that bella must have noticed how ostracized tara was and like bella's just being so kind and to me it's just incredibly obvious that she's doing it so she doesn't have to work with mike alone yeah that's so true i love this little story (laughs) It's super cute. I want to say it wasn't in the first draft of Midnight Sun. I don't remember it. I have like a couple little beefs with this too. Um, Edward says, I analyzed her every word and tone. Was she speaking her thoughts or what she thought she should say? It sounded to me as though she was trying to say what her audience expected. And this reminded me of my family and our daily life of illusion. And he says, but why would she have to play a role? She was one of them, a human teenager. And I'm like, are you so, like, you read people's <laughs> minds. You know p- that people don't say everything that they're thinking and that, that like, people yeah. aren't honest all the time. I was like, that doesn't it's... make her different from other people. <laughs> yeah, he should definitely not think that that's remarkable in the way that he right. does. 
I just thought that was weird. <laughs> like, it's okay to like it and, like, feel connected to it, but it's, like, obviously teenagers are teenagers and they're, like, constantly going through some shit and, like, they're not mm-hmm. gonna want to... They're not all gonna feel comfortable, like, speaking their mind and, like, to the point of being mean. Um, also, I think that it's funny that Edward briefly talks about, like, so the bravest students are the ones that approach him to work in their group project with him. <laughs> He, I, I know like, that he's the smartest one. The, the fact that he doesn't explore this anymore is like a shame because I would love to see what the group work dynamics of like working with a vampire are. Yeah, <laughs> and like Does he how. Go to their house? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining him like greeting their parents and like eating snacks and then having to like yak them back up later. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be so funny if he did that. Like full commit. Yes, I love that. It's so funny to, like, think about these, like, very human, mundane things that Edward has I know. to do with. <laughs> also, one other small beef with this moment, Tara Galvez. What kind of last name do you think Galvez is? I don't know. I, it's spelled G-A-L-V-A-Z, which is really... I've, I've never seen... Let me actually look it up. I've never seen it spelled with a... With an A at the a. end there. And I'm just, uh, I'm just, like, I don't know. I just feel this, like... Is this diversity? <laughs> I'm like, is it diversity? Is this supposed to be a Latina girl? And if so, this is is this the only one in the story? And has she been posited as a stoner? <laughs> Excuse me, Maria is also <laughs> in this story. Wow, representation! Galvez with, like, an A is extremely uncommon, approximately by this website it's guess only 19 people have that surname and it is the most prevalent in the united states weird like it feels like a mis transcription of mm. galvez interesting and that would make sense why it would be like most common in the u.s it was probably like written down incorrectly when people came to the u.s and then mm. that's why it's common here i don't know one of those yeah i don't know i felt like that was strange yeah, it's, it's like also point. the only mention of drug use in twilight outside of edward comparing his desire to drink bella's blood to being a heroin addict <laughs> and outside of life and death where Bo almost oh yeah dies because he witnesses the drug deal. The drugs <laughs> oh my god <sighs> oh my god well the whole point of the story is that edward is supposed to be noticing that Bella's like a nice person and he's supposed to be like yeah. learning about her character during this like silent period where they're not talking. Yeah. Um, and then that example is followed up immediately by this other example, which is literally so So funny. good. So, so good. good. And I don't remember it Ugh. from the draft. I'm gonna look up the draft real quick because I need to know. Okay. Yeah, while you're doing that, I can explain it. So Uh, At lunch, all the humans are sitting together and talking about their dream vacations. Jessica chose Jamaica. Lauren picked the French Riviera. Tyler said Amsterdam because he wanted to go to the red light district. And then Edward is waiting anxiously for Bella to answer the question. But Eric enthusiastically says Comic-Con and everyone laughs at him. Lauren calls him a dork. Mike says you're never going to get a girlfriend. And then Bella... It says Bella's voice, louder than her usual timid volume, cut into the melee. No, that's cool, Bella insisted. That's where I'd want to go, too. And then everyone starts backpedaling. And it's like, 
Eric gets really excited and he's like, we should go, we should save up. And it's it becomes clear that Bella doesn't know where Comic-Con is because Eric's <laughs> like, how long do you think it'll take to drive there? And Bella's like, who knows? And then mentions that it's in San Diego. And Edward says, I seem to be the only one who noticed the light bulb going on over Bella's head. It, it was clear that she hadn't even known the location of Comic-Con. She chimed in to save Eric from teasing. Which I think this is the correct interpretation of what Bella was doing. But that's so funny. This is not in the original draft. I wonder. Comic- I'm I, I'm just like. Comic-Con. I'm, it's not in there. And neither is this Tara Galvez stuff. Stephanie Meyer put this in there for me. Like, it's so good because in the draft, though, it skips from like him talking about his torments to basically around when Mike is asking her to the dance. Damn. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if she decided to add this because like of the critique that Bella doesn't have a personality. Like, right. I wonder if this is like kind of how she wrote Life and Death in response to this damsel in distress question. I wonder if this Mm -hmm. is like the response to, well, Edward doesn't even know anything about Bella. How could he be in love with her? Or like Bella doesn't even have a personality. Like why do people like her? Like maybe this is Stephanie trying to establish like Bella's kindness, which is something that Bella wouldn't not like acknowledge or notice about herself. I don't feel like people most people probably don't go through their lives thinking like i'm so kind i'm doing this to be kind most kind people i think no like they might know that they're kind but i don't think they consciously think it so it makes sense that it wouldn't come through in twilight and need to be established in midnight sun yeah i'm just cross-checking this because i do remember this line about bella being good i Mm -hmm. remember that from the original draft yeah in this original section it's like right in the middle of this part where he's thinking about how he's like learning a lot about bella through mike but like doesn't like mike but i totally agree i think that it's this whole paragraph here actually it was often like this with her never stepping out of her quiet comfort zone except for someone else's perceived need changing the subject whenever her circle of friends grew too cruel to one another thanking a teacher for their lesson if that teacher seemed down (laughs) giving her locker to uh giving up her locker for a more convenient location so two best friends could be neighbors smiling a certain smile that never surfaced for her contented friends only revealing itself to someone who was hurting little things that none of her acquaintances or admirers ever seemed to see that's all new wow Wow, that's cool, though, that we have some new stuff this this early on. I didn't necessarily remember that. Now I'm wanting yeah. to cross-check a bunch of other things. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, I don't know if you have anything before this, but moving into where people start asking this poor girl to <laughs> the dance. <laughs> oh, wait, I do have some stuff. I do have okay. some stuff. First of all, I just want to acknowledge that Tyler wants to go to the red light district. Very funny to me. Oh oh my god, yeah. Imagine being like, what, 16, 17 and being like, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to go to the red light district. Smoke some weed in Amsterdam. (laughs) The other thing is that, like, I don't really get why these human kids are friends with each other. Like, it seems to me that, like, boys like Mike and Tyler wouldn't be friends with a boy like Eric. Like, yeah, I don't know if they have the sports at Forks High School. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, they never mentioned s- sports, but it seems like Mike would be like someone who's on the sports team, and it seems like Eric is really yeah. like kind of nerdy and dorky, and like I don't know if they would be friends. And they're like mean to him and like mean to each other, and like I think that's you know probably normal for like a lot of different friend groups, but like 
it's just interesting yeah that that's super real it seems like they yeah for sure i mean i wonder if it's just like a convenience thing that stephanie was like well i can't write a bunch of similar characters for bella to be friends with i guess right um she like was like not going to give a ton of time into developing these humans i guess but yeah you're right it doesn't make sense they they don't really have a glue to the group that's not the the thing that they all have in common is they're all friends with bella (laughs) yeah and that doesn't work to establish their friendship before she shows up you know yeah that's interesting i could see like jessica and angela being friends for sure but Mm -hmm. and i guess it makes sense like jessica and mike make sense to me and lauren i guess i think that the 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 odd ones out are yeah eric and and tyler yeah yeah Angela's just nice. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand teenagers. So <laughs> Maybe it's like a small town thing where there's just so few fucking people that like, <laughs> it, yeah. your friendships don't have to make sense. I guess like circles and cliques don't have to be so clearly defined when you're in a small town and you have so That's few true. options of just who like to be convenient. friends with. Also, Eric is given an inch and takes a mile. Bella's like, oh yeah, yes. Comic Con. He's like, let's go together. We're going together. How much He's money like, do we have? We're to gonna drive together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're gonna sleep in a car. <laughs> He's ready. Oh my god. Uh, I would kill to see that. AU where <laughs> Eric and Bella go to Comic Con and San Diego, and Edward follows uh, along because he's so nervous that she'll get hurt. Also, like I love Bella. I love that these little descriptions of her are added here. I'm like, mm-hmm. what a great. She's a honestly a great role model for lots of young girls. She's very kind. I mean, like don't do a lot of the things that she does, but like yes, be nice yeah. to people. You know, yeah, being nice to people yes. is a good quality. Yeah, I think like this is a really great supplement to what we know about Bella. Um, and I'm glad totally. that we have it. I love that world building. What else? What else? Okay, yeah. So, like, getting into the part where Mike is going to be asking her to the dance. Yes. The descriptions, the, the way that Edward is kind of, like, narrating his distaste for Mike Newton is funny, but also, like, very violent. Yeah, Mike, more so than everyone else, he gives in to the violent side of himself and like totally imagines hitting him snapping him in half like yeah can i love i particularly like it's a little problematic but i do like <laughs> i frequently amuse myself by imagining backhanding him across the room and into the far wall it probably wouldn't injure him fatally <laughs> yep like, like oh my god it's, it's really interesting because he views himself as this horrible monster and looks so like down on himself and like is so harsh on himself when he thinks of harming bella even though he has a really good reason and it's like really Mm -hmm. understandable and then like he also feels kind of sad for like the way that he was envisioning having to like harm those students in the biology classroom with her but then all of that consideration for how good of a person he needs to be because of carlisle or like the monster inside of him goes out the window when he hates mike so much mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like it's so conditional the way that he is gets so down on himself for being violent because that self-loathing never comes out when he is envisioning hurting mike this part on page 95 after mike makes the ask bothers the shit out of me because edward says in that moment i saw the future more clearly than alice ever had yes and like envisions bella getting married to mike or just any random generic human being Mm -hmm. and like this whole like bridal fantasy whatever it is so pointless 
for this man to be imagining the future when he has a sister who can literally do it. Right. Like, (laughs) the fact that he is, like, I'm seeing it clearer than Alice ever could. It's, like, Alice's visions don't just take into account Edward's decisions. Right. It's, like, if that was the future that was going to happen for her, Alice would know. It's not just, like, your future that Alice can see. The fact that she's seeing her future means that's not what's going to be happening for her with a human. What's going to happen is something that involves you. And so, like, it's pointless for you to think this. And I, I'm, he's, like, so, he's in such denial. And I think we were talking about this in the collab episode. I think maybe Maya brought it up. But mm-hmm. these thought experiments where he thinks about her future are pointless. Like, he's underestimating Alice's power and, like, his ability to make critical decisions that change that future anymore. Yeah, and it totally ignores, like, Bella making decisions that impact her future. Right. And, uh, like, just what he's assuming here about, like, what her life is absolutely going to look like is, like, this extremely traditional view of what someone might want and, like, including things like marriage and, like, I just, I'm just like, you don't know that she wants that. And in fact, I mean, it does happen to her, but she doesn't necessarily want it. (laughs) Yes, and this whole, like college career thing too yeah is something that he imposes on her future until totally she falls into the cullens like life and then it's not really discussed except for as a um like cover-up for her disappearance from the world essentially like he's like oh yeah like we'll tell everyone we're going to school in alaska and then you'll you'll turn into a vampire and we won't worry about that stuff and it's like those things don't come into his mind again, but it's a part of his, the conventional future he imagines for her initially. He says in this moment, like, the person that he that she would marry, like, he wants to pulverize his skull with his fist. He later says that he wouldn't do that because he wants her to be happy, but it's also like, can you stop? <laughs> it's so wild. <laughs> He's so jealous, and he later, like, on the same page, recognizes it as jealousy. I don't, but I'm like, okay, let's, let's, like think rationally for one second but clearly he's going to be incapable of doing that for a long time so i'm not even going to try (laughs) yeah um anyway she says no to mike she says she's going to seattle and Mm -hmm. um this moment like weirdly is like a catalyst for edward this is the moment where he realizes that he can't ignore her anymore and that he's jealous and he has feelings for her and he's not gonna like he's gonna like in this moment he actually like looks at her and then ends up talking to her again and i'm like this is what Mm -hmm. does it this little girl's dance girl's choice dance snapped you yeah and i mean eric asks her out too and but it, it seems really like he's willing to entertain like he he wants to make the opportunity for others to swoop in but he's like giving up more and more and by the time tyler asks her out and she says no he's just like gleeful yeah and yeah he it takes him that long to realize that she doesn't like them. <laughs> yeah. He's got pulled together. He's also so mean to these boys, which is funny. It's like, maybe they do deserve it, but it's like... How is he any better? <laughs> yeah, I know. Bella and Edward and their narrations both um, talk down about um, Eric's skin. <laughs> yeah. Which is what so weird. I don't know. Um, also, this quote that I know you liked in regards to Tyler... He seemed tediously average and unremarkable to me, but what did I know of Bella's preferences? Maybe she liked average boys. And then I winced at that thought. I could never be an average boy. 
<laughs> yeah, I love that. He's will just never like, get old. such a brag. And like, yeah. Ugh. And then he's like, well, I only think that because I'm a villain. And it's like, no, like you also think you're extraordinary, like, but go off. And then he traps her behind Tyler, which is really funny. And then he laughs because she gets more and more frustrated as these boys keep asking her to dance the dance and and he's i just like this imagery of him walking up to his siblings after being tortured all day and then laughing as like periodically laughing ignoring rosalie ignoring emmett wanting to know what's so funny and just driving them home silently no one's speaking to him and he just every so often laughs i would be like i'm in danger he's (laughs) like what's wrong with him i wouldn't i don't think i would immediately like i mean alice is there as like reassurance i guess but like i would be like oh he's gonna go postal there's a moment (laughs) in the next chapter where he's thinking about Bella being clumsy and he says he just openly laughs in the hallway and people just turn to look at him. <laughs> <laughs> He's like walking alone laughing and people are like, what the fuck is up with you right now? Also yeah. on this car ride home, on the way home, it says, I took the final hairpin turn at 90 miles an hour and then screeched to a stop an inch from the rear garage wall. What the fuck? <laughs> it's like physics still impacts them. So like, you know that these poor vampires got their heads smacked on the back of the seat you know (laughs) and they're also like stone so they're probably smacking into each other and like yeah that can't feel good (laughs) yeah oh my god you're so right oh my god that's so unnecessary they get home rosalie's like enjoy your run and um but he's like i'm not gonna go running okay i just checked this little passage here Mm mm-hmm this whole part where he's like getting really anxious about something mm-hmm. bad happening to Bella. That's new. Is that new? Oh my god. This is god. like the justification for him going Sneaky to her house. Bitch. It's new. Yeah. You know, it didn't feel familiar to me, but I was like, maybe I blocked it out. It's such a different framing. So he gets paranoid that something's going to happen to her that like a meteorite or like a carbon monoxide poisoning or like a fucking poisonous spider or something and that's the justification for him going to break into her room and watch her sleep like it's really interesting because in the past it read possessive and like it almost seems like okay in my understanding of like vampire lore they can't Mm -hmm. help but like stalk their prey even if they don't want to and so that's what i always assumed this like watch her sleep thing was because he was mm-hmm. disgusted with himself for doing it in the in the in the past draft but he couldn't help it it was like he was pulled there and that makes sense to me as part of his vampire nature i kind of see this as like stephanie's attempt to make it feel better that he's like trying right. to protect her but it almost feels it worse to, to me <laughs> yeah it's like it's still very irrational and he's not trying to say that it's not irrational yeah. you know it definitely does feel like she's writing in like more explanation this whole section has been elongated actually i'm looking at the draft Mm. right now this whole thing has been elongated and to sort of provide some buffer and like filler to the very creepy behavior um but he's still doing the same thing (laughs) he just like Mm -hmm. and it still it still reads possessive i wouldn't say that it's effective it's interesting and i enjoyed reading it but um, yeah i think it gives you more about edward as a nervous bitch but like (laughs) i don't know it just 
I can see, I can feel Stephanie being like, you guys, don't you see all along? It was just to protect her. It feels like that's what she was going for. And I'm like, I don't buy it, but thank you for bringing it to me anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for bringing that to the attention of the staff. Mm -hmm. Um, So this whole part about like worrying about like a meteor or like whatever irrational thing to like come crashing into her house because she's sudden she's experienced close calls with death in her short time of being in Forks. There's those couple of paragraphs. Then he goes to to her house. So like this part is the same. Mostly it's not actually it's actually still kind of different. And so like and then it's being interspersed with like this meteorite thing again. Mm -hmm. Um, So all that is new. And then actually a lot of this page is new. He's saying ridiculous. I knew I was being irrational, but I felt anxious unsettled this is all new as well in the original draft it just goes from him hunting to him thinking oh i'm not gonna see her till tomorrow and that's not soon enough and then he just goes to her house yeah um which is really different and there's a paragraph in the original draft that i don't think is in here but correct me if i'm wrong it says i argued with myself all the way back to forks but my less noble side won the argument and i went ahead with my indefensible plan the monster was restless but well fettered i knew i would keep a safe distance from her i only wanted to know where she was i wanted to see her face i think maybe one of those lines is still in there but that is like the explanation in the draft and then it's the part where like it's past midnight her house is quiet he says in the in the book it was quiet like there's no conscious thoughts anywhere in that neighborhood that's not in the that's not in the draft um Mm -hmm. in the draft he's like contemplating how to get in the house like the front door is probably locked she took that out (laughs) yeah it it the way it reads here is like he's not intending to go in the house he just wants to like right go check out the surrounding area but then he like keeps pushing himself a little bit further so he gets a glance of her and then he's like well i just want to look a little bit closer and then he's like pulled in by her sleep talking she basically doubled the length of this section of where he's deciding Mm -hmm. to go she took out oh my god she took out the part about (laughs) you know when he's opening the window and like Mm -hmm. cringing because it's making a sound in the draft Mm -hmm. it says i would have to find some oil for next time dot 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 next (gasps) time i shook my head disgusted again oh my god that's right yeah yeah she was like "Mm, a little bit too much (laughs) too much and then this whole section actually that i was wondering if it was new and it is is where he's contemplating the morality of what he's doing and this whole section about what were human rules to me after all how many did Mm -hmm. i ignore on a daily basis and then there's this whole like half page or more about all the things the cullens do that are not human about like illegal documents and um insider trading Uh (laughs) and murders um that's all new that's stuff that we don't really even get a glimpse of in the twilight series until they need documents for travel in breaking dawn wow i'm fascinated it's so interesting that she changed it so much so much of this is different um this like little part i think where it says it was all rationalization evil arguments from the devil on my left shoulder i knew that but i had no angel on the right i would behave as Mm -hmm. the nightmarish creature that i was I literally like this section. He sees a, a tiny spider. Yes. Is that it, also new? in and I think so. And kills it and Yeah, it is. like crushes it and and he says perhaps I should have let the creature be but the thought of anything hurting her was intolerable and then suddenly all my thoughts were intolerable too because I could kill every spider in her home 
Cut the thorns off every rosebush she may one day touch, block every speeding car that got within a mile of her, but there was no task I could perform that would make me something other than what I was. I stared at my white stone-like hand, so grotesquely inhuman and despaired. That's all new, too. So good. Yeah. Um, I think all these additions are making this chapter so much better than it was originally. I think Agreed. That's, they're like, these are the parts that I, like, really enjoyed about this chapter, all these new yeah. additions. Um, so I'm very hyped for the rest of the book. <laughs> Absolutely. It seems like this is something that she couldn't have or maybe, like, didn't. I just, I don't yeah. think she had the, like, the forethought to write all of this when she wrote Midnight Sun initially totally. or was, like, starting to. And it's like, whoa, these are really good portions. He admits here that he does love her. He says, yeah. um, I could no longer pretend that I was only in danger of loving this girl. And then he hears her say his name in her sleep and then she says stay don't go please don't go which is wild and then yeah. he starts pondering love and how he's watched people fall in love before and how he knows that he's gonna love her forever and he begins to plot and and he starts coming up with this plan like that i'm gonna be try to try to be strong enough to leave her but that he wouldn't be strong enough now and he would work on it which is really funny because he eventually becomes hypothetically strong enough but yeah i guess not really for new moon i just think it's funny he spends the next like three years two years trying to outrun this vision of the future that alice has seen and mm-hmm. everything he does is just playing right into it he just uh starts to sit there and uh breathe in her scent and try to get used to it yeah which damn. is fun wow what a great little section it really is i loved this chapter and it's not even over <laughs> Uh, it is really long a lot happens basically he stays there until it starts to get light out and then he goes to school and sees her and she's like still mad at him which is hilarious um yeah he's had this huge revelation and nothing has changed yeah he's like i guess none of the stuff that i'm thinking about matters if she doesn't like me (laughs) yeah yeah huge revelation this is why it's a comedy. There's this one line that I remember from the draft, and I think it's probably, I remember it because it's circulated on Tumblr a lot, but she took it out. In the draft, in this conversation they have at, at the beginning of school where he's kind of like in the middle of, where he's going to ask her to go to Seattle. She says, why won't you leave me alone? And in the draft, it says, believe me, I wanted to say, I've tried. Oh, and also, I'm wretchedly in love with you. Keep it light. Um, oh my God, that's right. She took that out. Um, it's a great line, um, but here's what she replaced it with. Why won't you leave me alone? Was this my no? Was that what she wanted? Was my name and her dream truly meaningless? I remembered perfectly the tone of her voice, the expression on her face as she asked me to stay. But if she now said no, well, then that would be that. I knew I would, what I would have to do. Keep it light. She's totally, like, injected this moment of, like, Edward thinking about consent. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I love, I love a feminist text midnight this sun is feminist all we needed to make it feminist was to have it be written by the perspective of edward oh my god <laughs> a male's perspective it was what we needed oh my god uh, um i i'm kind of surprised that she took out that line because it's actually pretty nice also what he's been doing in this whole section is being like i just need her to tell me no and then i'll stop and it's like mm-hmm. will you i don't think you yeah <laughs> I don't it's like that. he never gives that indication later on <laughs> although this thing about him her saying yes to him is like it is in here, but I don't know if it, if the stuff about her saying no is in here, mm. in the draft, I mean. Also, she added in a line, this isn't even very important, but it's interesting. She added in a line right at the end of the chapter. He shouts, I'll see you in class. 
Um, and in the draft, it just goes from I'll see you in class to the last line, which is I had to concentrate to stop myself from running as I fled. But mm-hmm. she added in this line that he says, I'll see you in class, and instantly remembered that I would not see her in class. She scattered my thoughts so thoroughly. Oh, I <laughs> She covered up so that cute. plot hole. Yeah. She's like, haha, just kidding. I knew all along. Yeah. <laughs> Blood type. <laughs> what a chapter. I love that chapter. What a chapter. Should we do the Forks cast? Should I, I can I mean, pull it up actually, on my laptop. While you're taking my job. Today in Forks, Washington, it is 66 degrees and fair. The 5% chance of rain through 12 p.m. But it looks like it's going to rain tonight with the 35% chance. And uh, winds at 7 miles per hour, dew point 51 degrees. <laughs> uh, the moon phase is waxing gibbous, but I'm pretty sure it's like that everywhere. <laughs> oh, you're doing such a good job. Blood type. My favorite chapter of Twilight. Not my favorite chapter of Midnight Sun, but definitely entertaining. Yeah, but it is also very good. much the same as Twilight. All I wrote down, I, t- I like highlighted stuff in the ebook that I have, but all I wrote mm-hmm. down physically for notes in this chapter is Edward doesn't know how to be casual. That's absolutely true. So his siblings are also like not helping, I feel, because on the first, yeah. like, like the first little bit of the chapter, as he is about to eat lunch with Bella alone, Rosalie says, idiot. Jasper says, good luck. Emmett rolls his eyes, shakes his head, and says, lost his mind, poor kid. Alice says, can I talk to Bella now? (laughs) And it's so funny. (laughs) Like, they're not helping. And it's, it's, I think I mentioned this in Twilight, like, he doesn't really think about it too much, but his siblings will be listening to this entire conversation. I know. He like, like doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. I guess he's used to it by now, but this is the first time that he's ever had someone that he's interested in to this degree. So I, I'm wondering, like, I feel like I would be a little more self-conscious about my conversations with this person who is going to become important wife. to my life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My actual mm-hmm. wife, baby mama. My literal wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely wild. I think it's funny from Edward's perspective, like the context of him deciding that they're going to eat lunch together today is just like yes it's all all this just came from mike asking her to the dance it's so funny like the even just the concept i don't know i'm just so far removed from high school but like who you eat lunch with is like so significant and yeah. like this is their time that they can hang out to your point that he just can't have a, a not a, like a normal casual conversation he keeps right. chanting to himself keep it honest keep it light keep it honest keep it light and then yeah um she's like oh this is this is different like we're eating lunch together this is different like acknowledging the awkward situation i guess or the new yeah. situation and he says my favorite one of my favorite lines of twilight <laughs> i decided as long as i was going to hell i might as well do it thoroughly and then immediately in his narration he says what had made me say that and i'm like <laughs> i wish you knew because i've been wondering all these years yeah. why you said that Oh my god, what a thing for a 17-year-old to say in the middle of a cafeteria. Like, well, since I'm going to hell, I might as well do it thoroughly. All right. Fuck off. Come on. (laughs) This is the conversation they have where Bella eventually is like, I'm trying to figure out what you are. And I really love this line where she tells him that. And he says, I held the smile on my face, locking my features while panic twisted through my body. Relatable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So 
relatable. He's really struggling internally. I get it. Like he says these things in this chapter in his narration. Please save yourself. Please never leave me. Like back to back. Yeah. After he's like, I'll see you later then. Um, please save yourself. Yeah. Please never leave me. It's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He keeps catching himself saying something and then being like, that was too intense. Yeah. He's like, he doesn't, he has like so little control over himself. He's testing his limits too. He's testing to see like how afraid or not afraid of him she is by like, he reaches across the table for her lemonade bottle lid and she doesn't flinch. And he's like, oh, she really isn't afraid of me yet. And I'm like, this is about to piss you off in a couple chapters, buddy. Like, you're about to be really upset by how unafraid she is. Yeah. (laughs) It is like so 2005 that he keeps this lemonade bottle cap as a souvenir of their time together. Mm Mm-hmm. Does Edward have a locker at at high school? Is he going to keep this thing in his (laughs) locker uh, and like eventually hang up photos of them in his locker and like i'm thinking about like mid-2000s high school rom-coms this conversation is literally obviously the same as it is in twilight and he it's very Mm -hmm. dialogue heavy and he doesn't give a ton of insight that's like Um, different (laughs) yeah the most different thing is when he reacts to bella passing out in in uh biology class so he goes to his uh, car and puts on CD and listens to fucking Claire de Lune. Claire de Lune. And he plays the air piano. I'm like, I'd like to posit that Edward is a band kid. Oh my god. Do they have a music program at Forks? I don't know, but they can't have not sports and not music. You know what I mean? Like, they have to have I some know. sort of elective. So if Edward is so good at piano, he should simply be the accompanist for the band or the orchestra or the chorus. Like, wh- where's the representation of uh, the extracurriculars <laughs> in Forks High School? Like, he likes playing <laughs> piano. It's a good way for him to get involved. He could be a weird band kid and people would be like, oh, he's weird because he's a band kid, not he's weird because he's weird. I am on the Forks High School website. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they definitely have sports. There is a whole tab athletics slash activities i'm gonna open up their 1920 athletic handbook i mean they probably are not doing sports this year oh they are learning remotely this website is not good no it's certainly bad (laughs) should i call and pretend to be a prospective student (laughs) prospective high school student i think that (laughs) yeah the town is too small for you to be like i'm a prospective high school student um i feel like they'd be like oh (laughs) (laughs) oh i see there's a photo on their website of wrestling girls girls wrestling uh and i see girls basketball um what else is going on more sports seems like they definitely have basketball and they have definitely have wrestling i'm not seeing anything else though it's just a bunch of photos of basketball hoop well we tried to find out (laughs) we tried anyway bella passes out yeah (laughs) bella passes out and um edward says i almost took the door off the car which is hilarious to me he Um, thinks I, he doesn't explicitly say that he thinks that she's dead, but he kind of does. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he thinks that Mike has done something to her. Yeah, it was the confirmation of every ludicrous scenario I'd imagined. It's like, it's just, <laughs> it's just, you know, I, the internet is full of these fan fictions of like, Bella gets a cold and Edward overreacts to the point where he starts fucking losing it. And it's like, it's true. That's not fun. <laughs> it's it's true. true, but it's not fun. Yeah, it's like... I I do hate it. (laughs) If he's gonna resign himself to the fact that he needs to keep her human and wants to be 
in her life he needs to understand that she's going to be sick sometimes and that she's going to pass out sometimes and that she's clumsy and that he can't control these things once he realizes that she's actually okay he's like very Mm -hmm. relieved and he starts finding the situation extremely funny which is great he says thrilled and terrified half grateful to and half aggrieved by the predicament that made touching her a necessity i gently lifted bella from the sidewalk and held her in my arms touching only her rain jacket and her jeans keeping as much distance between our bodies as possible in my mind this looks ridiculous (laughs) yeah like like her like fully arms far away from his body and ha- like you can't only i mean i know he's just saying he's not directly touching her skin but it's like you're still supporting all of her weight and you're in like full contact with her body even mm-hmm. if you're just touching her clothes <laughs> <laughs> i would once again once again like to mourn uh in life and death when edith <laughs> doesn't carry him Oh, I knew you would say that uh, when I was reading this. I was like, damn, cowardly. Once they get out of the nurse's office, they have this conversation with Mike, and like Mike's like, you coming this weekend and to the beach, and he goes away, and then he's like, I'll see you in gym, and Belle's like, fuck, I don't want to go to gym class. Mm-hmm. And Edward's like, I can take care of that. Acts of service. He goes in to talk to the uh, receptionist because like the nurse's office is like in the main reception area so he's talking to miss mrs cope again you know Mm -hmm. the one who's having the pedophilic thoughts and um, surprise surprise they're happening again and what Mm -hmm. i absolutely hate about this section is that edward understands through this grown-ass adult's attraction to him that maybe bella is attracted to him too because Mm -hmm. he notices that her eyelashes flutter and her heart sped up he says that was interesting when shelly cope's pulse quickened it was because she found me physically attractive not because she was frightened i was used to that around human females (laughs) those who had grown somewhat (laughs) uh, (laughs) acclimatized to my kind through continued exposure uh, which is interesting yet i hadn't considered that explanation for bella's racing heart he like later thinks about it too like in the context of mrs cope and i'm like can you not yeah it's weird it's, for me it's <laughs> it's weird that he doesn't even bat an eye i i hate it it's like also i wonder like to like to what extent do other teachers have these thoughts about his siblings especially like i'm thinking about like rosalie and like the gross male teachers at that school yeah and like does he not hear those thoughts does he hear them and then like understand and ignore them does he not get upset by that like does he share those Mm -hmm. thoughts with rosalie so that she can be aware of those things you know what i mean like gross yes i do hate it um also (laughs) this that this one line (laughs) In there, which I thought was interesting, um, I was used to that around human females who had grown somewhat like accustomed to vamp- mm-hmm. to, to the Cullens through continued exposure, which I thought was interesting because there are other lines in Twilight where he's like, humans like are find us weird, like they're they're they can sense the, unconsciously the danger and they stay away from us. So I thought it was mm-hmm. weird that this new theory about the people can get used to it and then they find them attractive. That is not in the draft that one little line is added into this paragraph so that's new that's fun (laughs) yeah and then i talked about this when we did the collab but this line which has stayed with me since i first originally read this draft at 13 years old which we and we can talk about that too but they leave the nurse's office bella is tilting her face to the light rain just she's like just kind of like catching her breath basically and he's like 
what was she thinking? Something about this action seemed off, and I quickly realized why the posture looked unfamiliar to me. Normal human girls wouldn't raise their faces to the drizzle that way. Normal human girls usually wore makeup, even here in this wet place. Bella never wore makeup, nor should she. The cosmetics industry made billions of dollars a year from women who were trying to attain skin like hers. Okay. That is such a challenging concept to me. Yeah. Let me just say a few things. Okay. The fact that Edward doesn't understand makeup to the con- to, like, to the point where he thinks that in a Pacific Northwest town, it's kind of um, out of the ordinary that so many girls wear makeup because isn't it hard for them? Like, doesn't it just wipe off their faces with rain? No. Like, l- a light drizzle, too. Yeah. Like, no. Okay. Two, people just never look up. <laughs> yeah, people like, have never like, been like... Yeah, he like he's he's like this is an unfamiliar posture to me. I've never seen a human raise their head up and look up at something before. Like what the fuck? So weird. Such a weird observation. Also, am I to presume that all the other girls at Forks High School are wearing lots of makeup? I don't know. Like he makes it seem like yes, but it's like they simply can't be. Like that's not realistic like at all. I don't understand why he says this the way he does, you know? It's really weird. Um, it it's definitely feels like, a, you know, the best girls are the ones who don't wear makeup yeah. sort of situation. She's um, not like other also, girls. Admittedly, yeah, and in this in this um, instance, um, he literally fesses to the fact that she, like, apparently has perfect skin. And I'm like, what? 17-year-old has perfect skin? Fuck you. This gave me so many, like, psychological issues. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, this very big, like, dermatologist hate her moment where it's, like, the cosmetics yeah. industry is profiting off of people's insecurities, but she has perfect skin. And it's, like, my God. Are you it's, like, they me? have insecurities because of people like you, Edward. Yeah. Who, like, have all these opinions about the things that girls do. I straight up, after I got into Twilight, um, when I was 13, I, like, started, I read it, like, the summer before I went into eighth grade, I think. And uh, I feel like I've mentioned this on the podcast before about how, like, I, like, changed my wardrobe. Yeah. To, like, only wear, like, dark and, like, neutral colors. It was very culiny. I also, Mm -hmm. like, didn't wear makeup that year interesting wow like like, it was definitely because of this (laughs) that's so that's wow you're like i'm gonna be just like bella admirable for not wearing makeup and really just like sticking it to the man of the makeup companies and cosmetic industry (laughs) yeah i definitely did it uh for that reason and not because i wanted edward cullen to love me right for sure (laughs) i did wear makeup the whole year before i wore makeup in seventh grade i wore really bad eyeliner i'm really pissed that no one told me it was bad um (laughs) it's not realistic that everyone in in this high school is wearing makeup except for bella swan totally and like teenagers are just sort of all over the place in their like in terms of like puberty and like their social development and like there are Mm -hmm. people who don't start wearing makeup until they're 16 there's people who never do it there's people that start wearing makeup when they're like 12 years old and mm-hmm. start like caking foundation on their face but also yeah. you know what? i have hope for future generations because not only are they really good at makeup for some reason they're really good <laughs> at skincare yes <laughs> yeah i think more and more people are like trying to accomplish the goal of not having to wear foundation rather than like mm-hmm. i feel like our general cohort of people like 
accepted that as like a fact of life that one day we would all get to the point where we needed to wear foundation and like I don't yeah I don't I either. don't and honestly wow I I wore foundation in seventh grade and then in eighth grade I stopped wearing makeup altogether but I didn't I don't think I like really started using foundation again maybe wow. for like brief periods of time but wow this the was a permanent this decision for me on your life <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow <laughs> oh my god anyway that really really rattled me it was very interesting to revisit that line yeah it's like i feel like i can attribute that to like him being a 17 year old boy and he doesn't realize because he lives with these two exceptional 17 year old girls or however the old they Uh are like he doesn't realize like that other people are i don't know i don't know it's like he he has this generic human in his brain and when bella acts outside of that box he's like she's different and special not like accounting for the variability in people which is really striking because he should be the one that can see the variability in people it's like clearly you read people's minds but you definitely don't know everything he insists on driving her home yeah which is always weird to read but whatever yeah it's weird he starts thinking about asking her a bunch of questions and this is all information that we get in twilight he starts like He's kind of down on himself in this section, thinking about himself as being the villain. This is different. Mm. After she gets in the car and she says, this is completely unnecessary. Uh huh. Whenever I read this in Twilight, I'm like, she's so mad. She's yeah. angry at him. And in, in here in the book, it says, I thought she looked more embarrassed than really angry. Mm. And he's like making, which I don't think is true, but he's sort of qualifying it. He says, I thought she looked more embarrassed than really angry. Was my behavior entirely offside? I thought I was teasing that I was acting like the average Basada teenage boy. But what if I had gotten it wrong? Did she feel coerced? I realized she had every reason to. I didn't know how to do this, how to court her as a normal human modern man in the year 2005. (laughs) As a human, I had learned the customs of my time, blah, blah, blah. And he goes on. And actually... He goes on and he describes all of the relationships in his family. Yeah. That's all new. Oh, wow. In the draft, she says, this is completely unnecessary. Although he does say, I thought she looked embarrassed under the peak. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Um, and then that's all. And he says, I, ju- I, t- I just turned up the heater so she wouldn't be uncomfortable and set the music to a nice background level. And then they start talking about Claire de Lune. Wow. You know, it's so funny because this is all stuff that we obviously know. It's like the backstory of the Cullens and their like relationships. But I wonder if it's because we we don't get that information in Twilight until much later because the information that Bella has doesn't come until she visits the Cullens. And that makes me wonder, like, I guess maybe it was necessary for us to have this information a little bit earlier in Midnight Sun because it's information that Edward has and informs, like, his thoughts and his feelings. So for the reader that doesn't know the story of Twilight so fully, it's maybe an important reminder. He describes, like, not only these relationships, but why their situations are different from his. Because he's talking Mm. about and thinking about, like, how in this moment and in general like he doesn't know how bella feels and he feels mm-hmm. like with rosalie emmett alice and jasper and carlisle and lesme they knew instantly how the other yeah. felt and they didn't have That's... to have this kind of awkward coming together moment or process yeah um, which is very true that is true um, yeah it's, it's not like there's anyone for him to turn to in this he doesn't have anyone that can give him advice because they're circumstances were so different i think there's even more information here about carlisle and esme and and what that was like because i mean he kind of witnessed rosalie and emmett but he he 
he was with Carlisle before Esme came into the picture. So he kind of had way more insight into that relationship. And I feel like maybe here, does he mention like how he like kind of intervened for them and like basically told Carlisle how she felt? Yes, he said I'd been on hand to caution Carlisle about her unforeseen reaction. He'd expected that she would be shocked by her transformation, traumatized by the pain, horrified by what she'd become as much as I had been. But she had been in love with him before and so edward's able to fill in the gaps of like like oh like she loved you from back then and he wasn't really prepared for her to be so ready to to fall in love with him and and he hadn't yeah it says like it seemed contrary to what he was a vampire a monster the knowledge i gave him changed the way he looked at esme and the way he looked at himself and so carlisle it seems like maybe had more of an edward perspective on the world before falling in love with esme and like viewed himself as more of this monster and then like maybe it it's funny because it doesn't seem to happen that quickly and decisively with edward like he isn't able to like reconcile the monster with the the version of himself in love with Bella as quickly as right. Carlisle was. Yeah. Maybe because of the delay in, like, Bella becoming a vampire. And, like, we don't know if that's mm. going to happen. So he still has to, like, confront that. And I really enjoy this addition to the story here. Um, mm. This is all what he's... This, like, page and a half is what he's contemplating in, like, the half second it takes for her to get in the car. <laughs> yeah. And then they, like, have a conversation about music and her mom. You know, it's the same. it's Mm -hmm. the same as in twilight yeah there's not Um, too much to say yeah it's it's literally the same as the draft oh yeah no wait he took out a line she took out a line at the very end of the chapter oh he she took out a line well at the end she's uh she's kind of mad at him for being like trying not to fall in the ocean or whatever and Mm -hmm. she slams the door and leaves and he's like she was offended by my teasing and he comments just like an angry kitten that believes it's a tiger she took that out <gasps> oh my god thank god because that's horrific yeah that's a weird line <laughs> i i fully agree with it's infantilizing the, yeah i fully endorse her decision to take that out of the book all in all blood type still a great chapter just quite similar to twilight and so not as thrilling as chapter five was in my opinion totally i'm Honestly, like, now that I've realized how much of that stuff that I was enjoying was new, I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait to, like, get yeah. to the new part. But also, I'm going to start doing a closer read of the draft. Yeah, that's a good point, thrilling. because I think we would have missed a lot of that if we hadn't had those totally. big ones, like Tara, 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 I don't know. Well, this was successful. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Yes. <laughs> oh, we'll be back soon with uh probably the next two chapters so yeah hold on to your horses or whatever (laughs) hold your is that not that's not a phrase i'm like i just don't think you know jasper hold on to your horses everybody (laughs) yeah hold your horses is like hold your horses yeah yeah that's something i don't okay i don't know anyway (laughs) (laughs) that's all forks Listening to Gender Forking, a Twilight Saga podcast. All of seasons one and two are now streaming. To stay updated about the podcast, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at @genderforking. For more Twilight content from us, follow us at bowlingshirtbellas at tumblr.com. 
For other inquiries, email us at bowlingsherbellas at gmail.com. If you would like to support the production and maintenance of this podcast, head to patreon.com slash genderforking. The music you are hearing is from O Lucifer.